Hello, fellow ag nerd. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Future of Agriculture podcast. My name is Tim Hammerich, and if you're curious about where innovative ideas meet practical realities in food production, you have found the right show. Agriculture is often talked about as if it were kind of one thing. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know I don't believe that. Agriculture is a catch-all term for a lot of different things that all go into growing food, fiber, fuel, flowers, and other F-words, I guess. But I digress here. When we talk about ag technology, in the vast majority of cases, the technology needs are going to be different from one crop to the next, from one farmer to the next, from one region to the next. It's much better for an ag tech pitch deck, I suppose, if you can pretend that all of agriculture is your total addressable market. But of course, in most cases, that's simply not true. Midwest row crop farmers, as one example, are very different from West Coast tree crop farmers, which, by the way, are different from West Coast vegetable farmers. I struggle sometimes on this show to strike an appropriate balance in covering as many of these different agricultural contexts as I possibly can. But in today's episode, we are going to focus on specialty crops and some of the technology that's being used for those producers and some of the areas for potentially further advancement in the future. My guest today, Alan Fetters, is a third generation agriculturalist who has worked in agribusiness for over 30 years. I say agriculturalist, even though it's difficult for me to say, because he was actually not born into a farming family, but a family that has been selling products to farmers, so in agribusiness. However, he recently also decided to do some farming himself, in addition to the consulting he does. In today's episode, I try to glean as many insights as I can from Alan's vast experience in ag technology. We touch many of the important aspects of specialty crop ag tech, such as water, labor, pest management, and the need for yield data in these crops. Alan explains why he believes we are still in the very early days, I think he calls them the hunter-gatherer days, of digital agriculture. I could spend several minutes just describing Alan's successful career, but I'll just sum it up by telling you he has spent most of his time in sales, research, marketing, business management, and technology development and implementation. Until 2019, Alan worked as the director of technology at Simplot, which is the global agribusiness based actually right here in my home area of Boise, Idaho. Currently, as principal of Acceleration Advisory Service, Alan works with companies to introduce new innovations to agriculture, including testing, evaluating, and analysis. He grew up in California and left for a short time early in his career to experience the Midwest row crop agriculture before returning to California, where he spent most of the past few decades. And that's actually where I'll drop you into today's conversation with Alan Fetters. Coming from the San Joaquin Valley, I mean, I was just, you know, always around agriculture and the size of the agricultural markets uh, of California, you think are so, so grand. And then you go to the Midwest and it's mile after mile after mile of cropland. And it's, wow, this really is different. And so it was such a, a learning experience. And I think as I reflect, I'm quite fortunate that I had the opportunity to to be exposed to that and really learn the differences in agricultural and agricultural systems from the Midwest uh, to the West Coast. 
And talk about, you know, maybe from a high level, because you've been doing this a few decades now, the types of products that you were working with when you started versus kind of what you're working with today. And, and maybe that could speak to a little bit of the changing winds that we've seen in agriculture. Early on, it was your traditional crop protection products is, you know, basically where my time and my focus was, you know, being a chemical representative in the, in the Midwest. But as I came back to California, I, I became more involved in the retail distribution of agricultural inputs. So at that particular time, involved in crop nutrition, crop protection, seed, that was kind of the mainstay for probably those first few decades. But then as you start going into the latter decade, the advent of introducing technology became a bigger piece of that puzzle. I guess I, you know, kind of always had that that interest in technology. I remember even, you know, during the the dot com era, you know, I'm starting to date myself there. That was when agriculture was even starting to look at the the whole digitization and the dot com aspect impacting that. And a lot of the ag companies were first starting to segue into or or explore that facet of uh, the industry. So I, I thought at that particular time, well, maybe now is the time to you know, transcend from traditional production agriculture into more of the digitization of agriculture. So I kind of initially looked at that and explored. And uh, as we all know, that kind of blew up and really never manifested itself until we kind of had the, you know, the reboot of the, of the last decade. And I was once again drawn to the, that technology side and started getting involved in ag technology and looking at digital agronomy and trying to utilize data to help make better agronomic decisions. When you look at it and you kind of look over those decades that I've been involved in the agricultural sector, going from traditional chemistry now into farming data. And what impact have you seen of that in your time so far of, of actually, you know, the digital agronomy side? Uh, I would assume we're talking mostly with specialty crops here. That's what has been your, your focus, right? Yeah, um, I think specialty crops for for one has, has been lagging the traditional broad acreage crops. And a lot of that just goes back to the equipment being utilized. Broad acreage crops uh, equipment is... Uh, you know, highly use everything from on, on from fertilizer application to combines for capturing yield data. So they've had some of those tools that we traditionally have not had in specialty crops. Uh, so I think that has caused specialty crops to you know, to be a little bit behind in the use and adoption of technology. But when you kind of look at where that technology is gone. I think that as we've continued to strive to increase productivity, profitability, and sustainability, we're needing to constantly look at how do we do a better job of managing. And with the advent of data and bringing in spatial insights of what's going on, we're understanding that there is variability out in each and every field. And if we're able to manage those uh, much more granularly, we're able to enhance our productivity without uh, having to gather more acres. In specialty crops, where do you think we are in terms of the digitization of agriculture? Are we in the early days of adoption of these technologies and then just kind of hoping the technologies will will get better? Or how would you describe where we are in in this sort of, you know, digitization of specialty crop agriculture? We are 
in the hunter-gatherer time frame, we're putting sensors out there, we're, we're gathering data, but most of this data is still very siloed and it's being just uh, archived on different platforms. So the actual use of that data in many cases is not being utilized. When you start looking at a lot of this data that's being captured, synergies really become very, very important. You know, when you're able to combine and look at the correlations between different data layers and how is that going to be able to, to help uh, tease out some insights that I can then turn into something actionable. And so I think, you know, we're out there, we're, we're trying to do the right thing, we're gathering some of that information, but it's still pretty much in, the, in that baseline area where, okay, we're, we're understanding what might be happening on certain elements, but not a, a broad cross-section of what might be happening in that orchard, that vineyard on a day-to-day -day basis where I can truly make some preemptive moves from the insights that I've garnered from uh, this data. Is there one or two technologies that, that you would point to as having made the biggest difference? And I keep saying specialty crops. I think we're mostly talking, you know, tree and vine crops. But if you wanted to go a different way, you could. You know, one or two technologies that have made the biggest impact in terms of digital ag on those crops? In those specialty crops, I would say, and especially as you start looking at Western agriculture, water is key. Uh, so uh, I would say technology in the irrigation space has probably manifested itself the furthest along as with any of the technologies. You know, even if you go back to just the basics of going to drip irrigation or micro sprinklers from the, the old flood or furrow irrigation um, and, and looking at that type of a technological evolution. But, you know, drip Drip irrigation has been around for decades, but when you're going from there and now looking at irrigation controls, looking at different sensor types, either from a, a soil sensor or a plant-based sensor to help provide additional insights to help on that irrigation planning and scheduling, it's all very, very important in that evolution to ultimately get to that uh, decision of you know, what is a grower really looking for? I want to know, you know, when to put my water on and how much water to put on. And and sometimes we get so caught up in, in the technology and the data, we've got to keep it relatively simple. And I think that's another reason why where some of the technology has struggled. We've got kind of wrapped up around the, the technology in itself versus really what's the end game. And the end game is, you know, having a better understanding of when and how much and, you know, what's the impact of, uh, of that decision that I'm making. And so I think if we can really kind of uh, simplify that process, I think the adoption level of technology will will continue to progress in the specialty crops. And, you know, irrigation is just one of those areas that people have uh, started putting a lot of attention on. You know, and now as we start looking at not only that monitoring and measuring of that irrigation, but it's also now that controlling of irrigation with some of the, the automation that's coming into place uh, as you start looking at agricultural irrigation systems. A lot of that is tied back to, again, making it easier or the reliance on having to not having to rely on a workforce as we're having more and more uh, difficulty finding and, and keeping a, a good, strong farm workforce. We're having to look at alternative tools to ensure that we're able to continue to farm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And as you think about the big things that are holding ag technology back, be it something like precision irrigation or, you know, any digital technology, what comes top of mind is like, this is the bottleneck right now that we need to break through to get to sort of the next level of adoption. I like how you put the hunter gatherer phase that we're in now. Uh, you know, how do we get to that next phase? And uh, I know you mentioned silos earlier. So if it is, we need to unsilo this data. How does that happen? Well, the first thing, especially in specialty crops, is um, we need a means of measurement. We need a report card to truly evaluate were we successful or were we unsuccessful in our, in our practices. When you look at the broad acreage markets, they have yield maps, you know, that they're, they're gathering yield data every time that combine goes through that field. So they're able to get very granular data to understand that variability that helps drive that technology. Unfortunately, we presently do not have that across most of these specialty crops. There's starting to be research done in that particular area. And I think that once we start having that ability to truly understand uh, the yield variability across an orchard or a vineyard, I think that's going to enable some of these additional innovations to be adopted. Uh, Because at the present time, when the lowest granular level that I'm going to is the block level, you know, that's great. But, you know, within that block, what is that variability? If you're looking at is if it's a 40 acre block and I'm looking at uh, almonds and I'm looking at a a yield of 3000 pounds per acre, I'm not getting 3,000 pounds across every acre. I might be getting 2,500 in some areas and I might be getting 3,200 in other areas. So am I feeding it for 3,000 or am I feeding it for 2,500 or am I feeding for 3,200? Both as I'm looking at nutrition and I'm looking at water. So all those factors kind of come into play. And as we start looking at issues like water scarcity, where am I going to put that water if I am limited? Or where am I going to put my nutrition if I'm limited to the amount of nutrition that I could apply on a given acre? Am I going to put all that nutrition on that area that's only going to provide me 2,500 pounds? Or am I going to be putting that on that area that uh, I'm able to get 3,200 pounds on and maybe be able to push that to 3,500 pounds? So without having that, that ability to measure, it's really difficult to really drive production and profitability to that next level. So I think once we're able to get that, that basis, then we can start fine-tuning and looking at some of these other technological advances to say, okay, how can I gain more knowledge and insights of that management zone that is generating that higher productivity level? Or can I let me look at that area that is producing less and that's going to be inherent and that's going to be the maximum level that area is going to be able to produce? Or if I put a little bit more concentrated management on that, can I bolster that to a more productive level, which is going to be not only productive, but more profitability to the farm operation? Yeah, I think that's so key. I, I mean, what you just said makes a ton of sense, especially when you consider an orchard that may be in the ground for 30 years. So you may have that tree, each individual tree for you know 30 years. It would really help you to know what that individual tree is yielding in any given year so you can optimize water, nutrition, whatever it may be for that tree. And I wonder if something like off-ground harvesting I know is done in pistachios. I know it's maybe looked at in almonds, but not done very widespread at least. I wonder if that can help where if you're shaking each individual tree and harvesting it, you know, kind of off ground, if you could 
you know, measure that on a tree level and then start to reverse engineer all of the precision agriculture that goes into optimizing that tree? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the off-ground harvesting equipment, you know, that's going to probably be a natural fit. But even with some of the on-ground, you know, the current uh, tools that are out there, I believe that uh, we could get to a point where we could start measuring it and having a better understanding of the variability that is out there. You know, it's unfortunate in many cases that it's regulations that will drive technology and the need for technology in some situations. And I think as we look at especially agriculture, you're going to have the uh, employment issues is going to be one. You're going to have obviously water is another factor and you're going to have nutritional management is going to be another factor that's going to all kind of come in there and being able to truly know and understand what you're applying and when you're applying and where you're applying it are all going to be critical factors uh, as we look at production going forward. And they're also all, those are all going to tie back into sustainability of not only the environment, but also that farmer's uh, bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you, you do things like kind of scout and evaluate and validate new technologies for clients and that sort of things. What types of technologies are at the top of your list that you're looking for next for growers in the Central Valley of California? I guess when I'm looking at technologies, and I've I've had the opportunity to evaluate a lot of different uh, technologies, but since California and California agriculture is near and dear to my heart, I'm always looking at are looking for those technologies that I, I think will move the needle, that will provide us better insight, more insight, and faster insight of what might be occurring out there. And some of the technology, you know, might be early on in its adoption, and they're maybe not necessarily the immediate need for that. But as you start looking at the information that can be provided from that technology, I think it's ultimately going to move the industry forward and on that ability to make better decisions. And it's giving you another data point so you can get to that point of uh, more real-time assessment and analysis of what's going on, but also to start projecting what might occur. And, you know, we're still at that whole point where we're capturing data and it's really historic data, you know, but we have now that ability with some of the new technologies, uh, with, you know, the, the whole advent of machine learning and some of that technology to really get to that point of projecting what's going to occur and when it's going to occur so we can get ahead of, of some of these issues that we're currently having to deal with on the farm. And I think once we are able to do that, I think that that's going to be very, very beneficial. Uh, just as, as an example, one of the projects I've been involved with for a number of years is remote pest monitoring. And you know, going back to uh, my very beginning in the industry when I was uh, uh, just getting started uh, as a as a high school student, you know, scouting and trapping uh, fields and orchards. I still remember when this first technology came about and are, are reading about it, and it was like, oh my gosh, that's that's utopia. I mean, I remember having to go out to those orchards, you know, in the the hot summers of the the San Joaquin Valley and count moths in these traps. And when I saw this technology that would provide real-time insights of uh, pest activity in a given orchard, I was like, hey, that sounds like something I need to check out. And so I I got involved in that, working with uh, a couple different companies and looking at that technology and uh, seeing what can be achieved with having 
daily counts and the insights that you can garner from having that type of uh, insight of what is occurring out in your orchard, it's remarkable just to really understand the pest phenology and what's going on in that orchard. And, you know, you look at that and you're saying, well, you know, my weekly counts that I'm currently dealing with, I mean, that, that's working. My navel orange worm uh, rejections aren't too bad, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm okay. Do I really need to go to this next level? But as we start looking at some of the tools that we have, some of the chemistry that is available to it, and some of them that are, are maybe softer chemicals that we're utilizing because it's the right thing to do, uh, a lot of those products, you know, timing of the application becomes so much more critical and really understanding is when is that peak flight going on so I know when to make sure to get the material on or applied becomes that much more critical. So, you know, a lot of these tools you're looking at and you're saying, okay, they may not necessarily be a, a need to have, maybe they're a nice to have, but I see in the our horizon that that nice to have is going to become a required to have just to have that that additional knowledge and insights of proper timing, proper application, uh, the application window um, of when to make sure to have that material on so you have the most efficacy in controlling those respective pests. Uh, and when you look at that technology, it's gone from looking at pests in the sense of insects. Now they're starting to have more and more technology that's even monitoring pathogens. So as you start looking at disease and disease mitigation, so instead of just dealing with models that are projecting, you know, what potentially could happen based on the climatic conditions, uh, now I, I actually have sensors that are measuring spores that are uh, in the air and being able to help determine what might be happening in that pathogen uh, realm and how to get ahead of that from a preventative perspective. So uh, when you start looking at technology, I think it, it's all evolving and trying to find, you know, where are we going to get the value and is the value going to be short term or is it going to be a longer term value proposition and really trying to understand that and perfect the technology you know, maybe during this time period where it's still not a necessity, I think is very, very critical because when it becomes a necessity, it has to work and it has to work every time, be reliable and be robust enough to endure some of the harsher conditions that are out on the farm. That's a great point. It actually, it makes me think of something that is probably obvious to, to many, but to me, it just kind of clicked for some reason, which is the tool can't drive the knowledge you know, the knowledge has to drive the tool in a lot of cases, at least you can't just make something and it make up for a lack of understanding of what's happening out there. You kind of have to have the knowledge and then say, look, you know, in order to apply this knowledge, I really need the tool. Uh, would you say that's accurate in general? Yeah, I, I think that is very accurate. I deal a lot with young startup companies looking to bring technology and innovations to specialty agriculture. And I think that's probably an area where many of them miss the mark. They have an idea and might have a fit, but you know, it's almost build it and they will come uh, is kind of the thought process. And it's not necessarily the, the case. I think they're missing the mark of really understanding what is the need, what's out there, what's missing in this process, or how can I simplify a traditionally manual process to make my life easier, uh, provide me 
better, faster insights of what's going on and being able to also to document what I'm doing. So I think that having that tool and the right tool is important. And sometimes it takes time to perfect that. And I think that's what's overlooked in some cases. It's wanting to come to the market with a minimum viable product. And, you know, unfortunately, the the farmer is the one that's having to deal with that. And, you know, they've got a lot on their plate and they have a lot financially invested in that crop. So for that technology, it really has to bring true value for them to want to entertain the idea of uh, introducing that onto their farm, because if it doesn't work, they're financially going to be impacted by that new innovation that they might be um, trying on their farm. Well, uh, switching gears here a little bit, you were the director of technology for for Simplot for a long time, and uh, I'm just curious about a role like that. What are you looking at? Are you are you looking at what technologies might you know come next for agriculture that Simplot may want to invest in, or kind of what does that role all entail? When I was in that role, it was probably two phase. Uh, one would be internally um, looking at technology that would bring value to the organization and in whatever that sense may be, but then also then looking at technology as a potential service offering. It was always enjoyable because you were looking at technology, in many cases, looking at technology from other industries to try to have that vision to say, hey, can I assimilate that into an agricultural scenario? And would that bring any value that we're currently not getting within the industry? Because unfortunately, a lot of times within the industry, we we all kind of have the same idea. We just kind of keep regenerating that same idea and, you know, being able to look at other industries and how they might be utilizing data, how they might be utilizing sensors or uh, or machine learning now as we start going into that particular area. Um, how can that be brought into an agricultural environment and be utilized? And from that, can we create value in that sense? I think that was always enjoyable to kind of be looking at those other uh, other industries. And it was it was surprising when, you know, you start doing a deeper dive into that. Uh, a lot of the industries have very, very similar issues. And it's just you need to package it up different. You have to have an open mind and be able to, you know, to view these things to say, hey, I have that same problem. You know, how am I addressing that or how are they addressing that? And now can I take that information uh, or take those algorithms and that data and bring it into my environment and be able to create something. So like I said, it kind of went back and forth both ways. So some of the things we're more internally looking at, uh, you know, what could we do to bring more value to the company and the company's holdings, but also in the sense, is this something that we could package up, we could put within our farm management uh, offering and bring value to our grower customers? Okay, great. Yeah. Well, the podcast is called Future of Agriculture. So as you think, you know, project out the next 10 years, what's one or two things you think are going to look different about our industry when we get there? Well, the uh, the future of agriculture is what gets me up every morning. Um, as I look at it and I look at uh, with open eyes, um, I'm very excited about the future of agriculture. And then not to get in the, the cliche of, you know, we're needing to feed the world and all those things. I mean, that's all very, very important. But as we look at it, um, the farm community is near and dear to my heart. And if I'm able to look at technology and help bring technology to the farm gate that will provide additional profitability 
productivity and sustainability, I think it's it's a winning proposition because we all need uh, you know we need agriculture and technology is what's going to enable it to continue to flourish. And with the limited resources that we do have, and it's it's all going to come back down to better management, better understanding, and better insights so we can make better decisions. Great. Is there a startup or two that you would mention as you know? doing interesting things in agriculture right now that you just, I'm not asking you to make a prediction here, but just kind of like a, a company or two that you just think is doing particularly interesting things. That's a tough question. I think there's a lot that are doing some interesting things uh, in the space. Like I said, I've, I've worked closely with uh, a few companies and, you know, I don't have a problem giving them a shout out to those companies uh, because I think they are doing some unique things. And, and that would be a Trap View that's based out of Slovenia. They do remote pest monitoring and also Saturus, which is a plant-based sensor that is used to measure and monitor stem water potential to help with precision irrigation. Uh, those are exciting technologies that I see uh, that are going to fit the specialty market and I, I believe bring value to those growers. Uh, those are great suggestions because I've never heard of either one of those. So thank you. I, I, that's why I asked the question is I want to put new ones on my radar. Yep. All right. Well, Alan, anything we didn't get a chance to talk about that you were either hoping to mention or at least want to emphasize here as we close out today? Well, I think one of the uh, the unique things, just from my my personal experience, is that uh, I'm a farmer now. Also, I mean, it, it's just taken me a long time to uh, to make that circle. Um, I, I've always been a you know going back to being a third generation agriculturalist, being a provider of crop inputs. Uh, now I'm on that receiving end of being a almond and pistachio grower. So it's been real enlightening to me because uh, you know now I'm looking at agriculture through a different set of lenses and have a whole new appreciation of the farm customer. And I think that brings, you know, to my consulting business, that brings some additional value because I do have a, a better understanding of the needs and desires of the farmer and what they're needing. And also when you look at the economic impact of the introduction of some of these new products and services that are being introduced into the marketplace, I have a better understanding of how that might resonate with a farmer and is it going to truly bring value to their operations. Thanks so much to Alan Fetters for taking the time to sit down with me for this show. You can learn more about what Alan's doing at his website. That's acceleration.com with an ag in the front. So A-G-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-I-O-N, acceleration.com. He's also a great person to follow on LinkedIn to keep up with everything he's got going on there. Thank you to those of you who continue to support this show by sharing it with friends and on social media. It really means a lot. And also thank you to those of you who continue to leave ratings and reviews on iTunes. Had a great one lately that I'll go ahead and read here. It says, terrific insight. Tim's broad spectrum of guests and pointed questions do a fantastic job of highlighting key issues in the ag industry today and how they're innovatively being addressed. Great listen every time. Thanks so much. That one is from not okay 33321 Okay, well, I hope you're okay. I hope that's not a cry from help. Not okay. But thanks so much for leaving us a rating and review. If you are an Apple podcast user and you haven't yet left us a rating and review, please take a moment to do so so we can continue to spread the word about this show. If you're not an Apple person, I hope you'll find other ways to help us spread the word. 
Thanks so much for your time and attention. I never take it for granted. I'll be back next week with another story of ag innovation.